Welcome, my name is Coach Karen with Barbell Fit Strong, and I'm excited to talk to Fabio Zanin, CEO from Strong First. And here at Barbell Fit Strong, we love to talk anything strength, conditioning, and nutrition. And he's the expert guy on this. And there's three things I wanna to talk to him about today. I wanna to talk to him about Strong First, uh, Strong First beliefs and practices, particularly the barbell certification. I think the audience would be really interested to hear about. Also about life in Italy. Uh, how that how that is going. Uh, also, in response to being in the quarantine on March 16th, he wrote an article that you can find on um, the Strong First website that is Simple Strength for Difficult Times. It's an eight-week progressive plan. And so I'm really excited to talk to him about that as well. And just so you can get to know him a little bit more, um, he's not only the CEO from Strong First, he's also a master Strong First certified instructor. He is a former powerlifter, bodybuilder, owner of fitness facilities. For two decades, he was the master teacher for the FIF, the Italian Federation of Fitness. And he's also the former vice president of the AINBB, the Italian Association of Natural Bodybuilding. So he's trained athletes internationally, and he's authored numerous articles and magazines uh, and, and websites. So I am super excited to have him here today, and I want to open up by asking him how long he's been in quarantine, and what does that look like in Italy right now? Uh, well, I've been in quarantine for five weeks right now, and uh, it is not as bad as media say, actually. Yes, we do have a lot of people who got infected. We do, uh, a lot of people unfortunately died. Uh, however, uh, it is, life is not as bad as it, as it looks like from the outside. It's, you know, I see the international news and it's like everyone is dying over here. Uh, the fact is that we were after, you know, the Eastern part of the globe, after, you know, China and then Korea, we were the uh, pretty much third country who got the infection. And of course, we weren't as prepared as other countries because we didn't have time to get ready for it. So it took some time to get to the lockdown. Uh, in my understanding, it's important to keep social distancing and uh, make sure you don't get infection. So basically, you got to stay at home. And unfortunately, we did not, as many countries did, not take it as seriously as we should have from the beginning. It looked like something far away. You know, everything's seems far away to you until it gets close. Yeah. And uh, so I recall that I was, uh, I was teaching, we had a strong first open day here in my town. We had um, over 300 registrants waiting for them and the alarm started spreading out and only half of the people showed up. And then the following day I was teaching another uh, body, uh, another event for uh, Sustainable Bodybuilding Academy here in Italy. And everyone was rushing, can, couldn't wait to get home because the alarm started, you know, setting up. And then uh, they told us, well, you need to stay home. And this is pretty much what we did. And of course, you know, since we did this, everything, everything happened in the rush, we did not have time to get organized. You know, I mean, grocery stores are open, but you have to uh, wear a mask. You have to enter one by one, keep the distance. I know that in the US, you're all experiencing this. But in my case, I usually train at the gym. I have a small gym down in the basement, but all I had was a bunch of kettlebells. I didn't have barbells or power racks or anything like that. I didn't have time to get those. And my first thought was, well, this is going to spread, unfortunately. Uh, you know, working with Strong First, I was in touch with Korea. I was supposed to teach an event in February in Korea. And I was in touch with China, so I knew what happened there. And I knew what was going to happen here. And I thought, I need to get prepared for this. And I need to help our you know, community instructors and, and students to get ready for this. So I wrote an article right away. Uh, I Actually, I designed a plan for myself because I ended up being home. And all I had was a set of kettlebells, single bells, you know, from 12 kilos to 40 kilos, and a pull-up bar. That's all I had. And I needed to train. Usually, you know, I train strength and uh, my one rep maxes for being, you know, my 50s are decent, which means, you know, I can squat 240 kilos, deadlift 270 and bench 155 and 
you know, with cannabis up to 40 kilos, that's light. Yeah. So, but, you know, if you have a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, um, does it work in English, inventive, a little bit of fantasy, you can figure out a way to do it. So I thought I need to find a flexible plan based on uh, basic and fundamental movement patterns that can train the, the, the fundamental ones and allow people to train home with minimalist equipment, whether that it's body weight, it's a cannibal, or if you have the luxury of owning a barber, you need to find a way to train. And so I thought about, you know, uh, very hard to do a loaded hip hinge movement if you don't have a barbell. Yeah. Unless you're expert in cannibals, you can do the swings, that's a power movement, a ballistic, but still that covers that. So I thought I need to find a squat, a press and a pull. Uh, usually I would have divided, you know, having a horizontal press, a vertical press, horizontal pull, vertical pull, and variation of the squat, but I needed something that could be done every day for a long time. Do you usually work out? Do you usually work out every day, or did you do this because of? Usually, I, I train four to five times a week. Okay. I'm a multi-frequency guy. I like a lot of practice, so I don't. I use high intensities, but I don't use high efforts. I train with buffer. I'm a big fan of the Soviet system, which means that I keep lots of reps in the bank, so my training volumes are really high, and I split. Uh, and I do several training sessions per week, but basically I train most, if not all, the basic movement patterns every single training session. Uh, you know, I do this for work, so I can take the luxury of spending two or three hours in the gym, mm -hmm. take long rest intervals, so it's really easy for me. And being locked down, I mean, I work online, I keep managing the company, but I do have plenty of time for training. So I thought I need something that can be replicable every day. So I thought about a squat, you know, pressed and pull. And I thought with those movements, everyone can find their own variation that provides the right intensity. So instead of varying the intensity, as we would do, you know, for instance, in strength training or powerlifting, yes. uh, I thought you don't have that much chances. So I thought about keeping a fixed intensity and weight the volume. And so for the squat, I say you can, you may pick up a movement that works for you according to what you have. For instance, for me, Considering the bells I have, the pistol squat is a you know unilateral movement, but allows me with light weights to have enough intensity to train with. And for the press, cannibal military press, if I didn't have heavy bells, I would have gone for probably handsome push-ups. Because you know, regular push-ups might be uh, heavy for someone, but light for someone else. Mm -hmm. Or one option might be, you know, the one on push-up. And for pull-ups, I have a pull-up bar, I'm lucky. If not, you know, Renegade Rose, uh, Panlay Rose if you have a bar, TRX if you have a TRX, or you can do, you know, your rows under, under a table if you wish. So I picked those three movements and I created a plan that kind of gradually increases the volume up to a peak and then you have a taper and a retest. Mm -hmm. Especially because I thought that uh, what I've been seeing since this situation broke, you know, uh, came up everywhere is that Everyone is going online and everybody is posting on social media or websites workouts. Yeah. And you know, being a performer, being a former performance athlete, I like something, I don't like the workout per se. I like the idea of a plan that leads to some increase of the load, yeah. some results that you can test. Yes. Yeah. So I thought I gotta do something different. I, I don't want to just go on Facebook Live every week and say, this is the workout for your week or for your day. I wanted something structured. So I created Exactly, for myself. And I thought if everyone picks a different variation of the three patterns, so the uh, squat, the press, and the pull, and they can find a variation that ends up for them in the uh, eight to 10 rep max intensity zones, and working two, three, two, four, six ladders and gradually increase the volume in six weeks and then taper down. And then I'm week six right now, by the way. So I did my peak last week and next week I'll be testing. And the idea of having results, measurable results, I can already say that I got something in the oh, back. That's awesome. Yeah, because I, I see the effort is 
there's not so much effort as it was at the beginning of the plan for doing the same movement with the same weights. So I'm confident that I will be able to measure some results. And also, you know, workout is, might be very uh, entertaining, but if you have to stay home in locker for a long time to stick to something, you probably need to have a goal. Yeah. And so I wanted to provide, you know, uh, something that was structured that could lead to a goal that could give, you know, people some good reasons for keep training with a decent frequency and with consistency and uh, to get results even in the full situation. This is why actually the title was not mine. The title of the article came from our um, uh, Martin consultant, Martin Kerr. She said, easy strength for difficult times. And I loved it. So let's use this one. Yeah. Uh, the other possible title was uh, when, when it comes from Blues Brothers. I know the Italian version, so English version is when things get tough, the, the tough get going, something like that. Well, it, it's nice to have, especially someone coming from a strength, a, a strength background, because what's been really difficult, which it sounds like the same way there, same way uh, there in Italy, is that you know we have a lot of people training for meets, and our meets are getting canceled and pushed back and all that sort of thing. And when the gym, I will say, you know, I, it's, it's been kind of staggered here, the way, they, the way things have been done. It was, you know, social distance, but the gyms were, op were allowed to be open for some time. I would say that's probably the, uh, definitely the, the, uh, the most difficult with a lot of people is that, you know, we can't go to the gym, they don't have equipment, and even a lot of the equipment sold out, but really, uh, and I, and I, I feel fortunate because I, I do have equipment in my garage, but I love going to the gym. I mean, I just, you know, there's something about the energy of a gym. I'm not giving up on my gym membership. I, I, I'm looking forward to going back. But when you've got a meet coming up or your meet's been canceled and you need to push it back, but really you've got limited equipment, that's where I really liked what you posted. Um, and that was one of my questions was going to be, now you're testing next week how do you do you feel like you've maintained because i did notice i mean you you lift them i mean your deadlift's almost 600 pounds and so you know maintaining the, a one rep max like that would be very difficult uh without really working on it but do you do you feel now that you're on track to eat, to maintain your strength i don't know about deadlifts even if i'm confident but um so of course i can't test the max ball. however you know when i was doing my pistols I can feel the difference in effort in my six reps at the beginning of the plan and my six reps right now, and they are pretty easy. And I can see how my press feels right now compared to before my pull-ups, even, even though I did gain some weight. The other interesting thing is that, you know, staying on, I usually stay, I'm pretty strict with food, staying on diet. When you're home, trust me, it's not as easy because you have access to food all the time yeah. in fact i i'm staggering i'm alternating some conditioning sessions which is pretty much you know uh, swings and get-ups on the on alternate days and um so i did gain some weight but i'm realizing that i gained some size also some muscle mass i'm not as lean as i used to be but i have i can say that i did gain some muscle mass uh it's also due to you know, not only to the training, but also more probably because, hey, I rest more, I sleep more, I don't travel as much, I used to have to deal with, you know, different time zones, uh, flying uh, overseas very often. So there is a little bit more rest, a little bit of enhanced nutrition, a little bit of training plan. And uh, so I don't know yet how that will translate to my barbell lifts. Are you able to walk, uh, take walks and that sort of thing? Nope. Right now here, we're only allowed to leave from house, from the house, is 200 meters, which is probably 600 feet from the house, and you cannot do outdoor sports. They are changing this, starting from this week in some regions of Italy, not all the country, uh, where people are, you know, getting uh, healthier. Uh, so it means that I could not walk, neither jog, neither run, because now, let me show you. See this little, this piece of paper. Whenever I want to go out for grocery or any necessary shopping, mm -hmm. I have to fill 
this form and provide all the reason because if police stop me and I don't have some good reasons, which means I go for grocery, they might come home and ask for the receipts. If I don't go for necessary reason, I can get a very heavy fine to pay. And also when this is over, I might, I might get arrested. It's really strict. They are enforcing this really hard because it's, it's for everyone's health. So apart from, you know, throwing the garbage cans away, that's, and going for grocery with a mask, with social distancing, one at a time, I can't go with my wife for shopping for instance. Uh, nope, that's, that's all I can do. So swings save my life. I do have a decent yard there, but not enough for, probably for a very short sprint, not for a jog or anything like that. And so swings did help me. And that's, by the way, interesting because I have, this is why I'm confident of getting results applied also to barbells. When I first started entering kettlebells in my career, that was, you know, about 12 years ago. And I did my RKC at the time. Strongford was not there yet at the time. Our, um, our chairman was uh, involved, was uh, part of the RKC. Then he left the RKC and founded Strongford. When I did my kettlebell cert, I recall that I switched from pure bottle training. I started entering the kettlebells and uh, uh, I didn't do deadlifts for quite some time. And it was interesting because when I got my RKC certification, after that, I got back to barbells and I had what we call the what to hell effect, which means that I increased my one rep maxes in deadlift without doing deadlift. You know, swinging, heavy bells, I'm not talking about the eight kilo bell, you know, I'm talking about, for instance, right now, I only own bells here home up to 40 kilos, otherwise it would go heavier, but I do my 10 sets of 10 swings with a 48, with a 40 kilo bell with one arm. And if you think that forces must multiply by acceleration, and I get the, the, the bell to float at this height, more or less, imagine the time it comes down, it also kind of accelerated a little bit. So when it gets down to the bottom of the hinge, the impact, the force that your, you know, your extensor, your hamstrings are absorbing is really huge. And that starting strength is really huge to change the direction of the implement of the belt, which means that this turns into a stronger deadlift, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I, we don't know why. Well, we do have some ideas, but it works. And so I'm confident also my pistols, you know, the depth is different. There's more sheen forward. Uh, your back is rounding. However, you get full range of motion for your hips and for your knees. It's like, uh, um, how do you call it in the US? Ask to the grass squat? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's not the uh, parallel back squat that we do usually in powerlifting. You go much deeper. But I feel there's so much work, especially on my bicep laterales there. And I saw my legs increasing in size. So I'm confident that this, at the end of the game, will help me a lot with my do you, do you? I'm sorry, do you do swings, uh, swings like that when you're doing like particularly a deadlift or a squat day, or do you, or do you generally always integrate the swings? I always integrate the swings. I have different modalities depending on the time of the year. Most of the times I do my swings uh, on alternate days. And what I do, here's the point. Uh, you can do everything, but you can't do everything at once, right? It means that if I'm training high volume at deadlifts, I don't want my hamstrings to be sore or my glutes to be sore because I do swings on the other days. So what I, my approach is very um, AA, aerobic alectacid, which means that when I do usually my swings, I do very powerful swings, uh, usually five reps with a very heavy bell and with a very long rest interval. I, I stop before the power drops down. So in this way, it does help my deadlift. Now, if I do it for conditioning, it's a time in which I'm not aiming to improve my one rep maxes in deadlift, then I might do sets of 10. But I always try to stay away from getting acidic and I always take generous rest intervals because the idea is I don't want to lose power for no reason. I'm still, you know, my heart is still in powerlifting, even if I don't compete anymore. So I don't want to lose that. Uh, it's 
I'm super fine if it enhances my powerlifting numbers. I'm fine if I can maintain it, but I would not give up my one rep max strength for conditioning. I just do that because I want to be healthy. So the two modalities are conditioning sets of 10 with generous rest intervals. So it's A plus A or, or very explosive sets of five. If I do very explosive sets of five, it might be the same day of my deadlifts, a specialized variety. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love this because I didn't get into strength training, uh, powerlifting until after I was 40 years of age. And I love it. And I think most people, if they would engage their fitness on building strength, I mean, I feel like I get greedy. I, I don't want to go down in strength. I, I just want to keep keep going, go, you know, and obviously now, you know, I'm getting closer to 50. So it's, it's getting slower and slower how much I'm, you know, I've kind of slowed up a lot, but, but still, I, I don't want to give it up. Most people engage this. And this is why I love strong first. And I love that strong first added the barbell certification. So, so just so I can have clarification. So Pavel, who's, who, who started this, it, it was mainly a kettlebell. Was it, it was mainly a kettlebell. Um, seminar and certification and then the uh, barbell certification which is what I have and matter of fact I was I think I was scheduled to uh, the April 24th meeting in Chicago I was going to be an assistant there and you were going to be the main person teaching weren't you exactly yes yes so I would have got to meet you in person you know and um <laughs> July, right yeah it's in July now so um so anyway how did how did the barbell certification come about and i i really enjoy that certification i think if people understood that more um because i you know a lot of people i know are that are familiar with strong first are more familiar with kettlebells yeah well uh the fact that pavel got became known because of kettlebells does not mean that he's not he was not involved with barbell for a long time i i i know that in his heart he has a great space for barbells and powerlifting. By the way, not many know, but he is, uh, Pablo's father currently competes in powerlifting. Really? And he's, I think he's over his 80s right now. That's awesome. But if I, I, I wouldn't want to, but you can find that in YouTube. So I can, uh, if I apologize if I'm mistaken the exact date, but I think he's 78 years old. He got a national record for his age category. He pulled, I don't know in pounds, I know in kilos, I think it was 197 kilos. Okay. Which wow. is almost 400. Yeah. And if you uh, look on YouTube and you write Vladimir Tatsalin, that lift, you will find the videos and you'll see Pavel coaching him. So he, Pavel always loved powerlifting, but he always loved deadlift in particular in fact one of his first books uh, was power to the people and then power to the people professional and for several years he wrote for milo so he does have a very interesting background in barbell training okay I didn't know that. Like that but when he launched kettlebells he became really famous for that but he never forgot about that and by the way one of the reasons that we became you know we started working together and became became friends was strength training, barbell training, and heavy metal music from the 80s. So, <laughs> there's some passion we have in common. So when we met, you know, I was a former powerlifting, uh, practicing bodybuilding at the time. But I always had the pure strength and powerlifting in my heart. So this is how we started our exchanges. And uh, so he became very popular, very well known for kettlebells, but barbells were always there. So when we started Strong First, uh, at the beginning, you know, very beginning, we started with a kettlebell serve. But the, uh, our idea is that strength principles are universal. Are universal. I mean, uh, the, what allows you to become stronger, it allows you to become stronger no matter the implement. There are some technical uh, differences that are involved. For instance, if you do body weights, you get into the hollow position. And the, the training programming might be different because you're dealing with, you cannot really adjust the weight to 1.52% you can do with a barbell, right? With kettlebells, you're in neutral position and you have higher jumps. 
people think, you know, this from a probably 12 kilo to a 16 kilo bell, it's only four kilos. But if you look in percentage, four kilos out of 12 is 33%. So the jump between one kettlebell and the other is really high. With barbells, so easy to adjust the weights. So, but principles that make you stronger, like improving your skill, improving the setup, generating tension, total body tension, treating your body as a unit, and I could go on forever. They apply to kettlebell, barbell, body weight, whatever you do. So we started with kettlebells, which by the way, programming wise, are kind of more difficult than barbell because you cannot adjust that weight that much. Mm -hmm. And body weight even more. And uh, the uh, so many things that apply to the kettlebell swing and kettlebell deadlift are just in common, same things in common with barbell. And basically, many of the drills that we were teaching for kettlebells were learned from barbell training. And on the other side, you know, at the RKC level two at the time, we used to start inserting some bodyweight skills. So at the very beginning, we started, you know, adding two kettlebells, we added the barbell and then the bodyweight as three different, sorry, three different modalities. But then we realized that the principles are the same or unified. And this is the reason why we don't consider it as a kettlebell school anymore. We consider ourselves a school of strength yes. and we teach the three modalities. And this is why we don't call ourselves SFG instructors of leadership anymore. We call strong first instructors. Mm. And we introduced the first elite, which is three modalities. But the good thing is one helps the other. And personally, I love in my training, even if it's very much powerlifting oriented, my training, but I include kettlebell barbers and body weight in all of my programs, all my plans. I love to use them all because each one of the tools has some unique benefits and like to get the best of all worlds if I can. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and, and I really think, you know, uh, a pull-up, pull-ups and chin-ups really show your strength. Uh, oh, you, know, you know, that that is, you know, that, that's something, again, that's something I wasn't able to do until I was in my 40s, and I don't want to give that up. But this is such a side tangent where I'm going to ask you, but are you, like, with heavy metal, are you in a band or something? Because I've seen, like, like you're singing, or is, is that what you're in? Yes, it's a long story. Actually, you know, we don't really have a band anymore. I used to have a band when I was in my 16s, 15, 16s, until I was 20, which was the time in which I was competing powerlifting, by the way. And uh, we had this band, and uh, I used to play with this band, and we used to play, you know, in clubs during the evenings, and, you know, I'm... Uh, you play an instrument, or is it singing? I just sing. I don't even know how... No, okay. improvise. And everything started by chance for one reason, because, you know, at the time there was no internet, no YouTube, no nothing, and not many people actually could speak English. And so they, the band hired me for one specific task. I was not the singer. I was supposed to listen to the lyrics of, of you know, English or American bands, write them down, but not with the correct spelling. As, they, as they're supposed to be pronounced so that the actual singer could sing them. And I did this for almost one year until in my town, there is a U.S. Army base, like two actually, uh, for the NATO. And um, they, we had a contract. We were looking, we had a selection for a contract to play there. And they would pay really good money for the time there. So they said, oh, you need to sing because those people from the U.S. will realize that our actual singer is not singing proper English. So they hired me and I learned to sing on the fly. On the fly, I didn't really know how to do it. And so we did this first uh, uh, selection and they, they, we signed a contract. So we were playing on the US base every once a month. And then this is how I got involved. Now, after that, you know, I went to the army, then I started working, working with the Federation of Fitness. I gave up the band, but the guys kept playing. What we do is every once in a while, we just meet and play. And then we started having some strong first events, open days and so on. We thought, hey, how about doing the practice session, the workouts with live music? So we started doing this and I, I started singing again. And finally, I'm going to sing in school now. I'm taking <laughs> lessons <laughs> at 50 years old, yeah. Well, and, 
that's awesome. My my husband's very engaged in this. He started taking guitar lessons after having not done it, you know, and he loves heavy metal too. So I mean, it it uh, he talked me into going to a Metallica concert uh, a couple years ago. So um, which which was good, you know. But um, but that's cool. That's cool to engage in that. You know, you're always learning something. And you know, by by the way, it, this is interesting. So we're doing something during lockdown. We're if we're able to finalize and accomplish it, we got about 30 members, like guitar players, drummers, bass guitar players, and singers. We took a very old tune from it was called Here and Aid, Ronnie James Theater, and several other heavy metals, heavy metal singers and bands from the 80s. They did at the time a charity song to collect money. I don't recall if it was Earth Week in Armenia or whatever what was. What we're doing is we are recording that with 30 members. So I recorded my vocals home with my computer. The other guy is recording the drums, the other guy is recording the guitar, and someone's doing the mixing. So hopefully within a month or so, we'll have this song. And probably, I don't know, we're gonna launch it just for fun, or probably try to say, hey, listen to the song and donate here so we can have drops or whatever, you know? People are coming up with some really fun stuff they're accomplishing on this on this quarantine. Okay, let me ask, let me ask you a few more um, strong first questions. Strong first is not just in the USA, not just in Italy. Strong first is in in, in, in many countries. Can you give us an idea of how many countries strong first is in? Or, or is the main countries Italy and the USA? Uh, not really. So we're in fifty five countries. I think that uh, there's a lot in the U.S., of course, this is the main, main place. Italy is strong, for, but uh, right now, many other countries in Europe are really strong, like uh, the U.K., uh, Hungary, France, we start in Germany, Spain's been developing a lot. We have Croatia, we have Poland, uh, doing really great, but also we're incredibly strong in Korea, South Korea, of course, North Korea is going to be hard to get in there. Right. Uh, we're strong in Latin America. We got uh, Brazil, very strong Brazil. We started very well with uh, Mexico. We got Costa Rica developing really well. Of course, then we have Canada, we have Australia, we have oh. South Africa, we have India. So we're all over the place. Wow. You know, our Emirates, 55 countries up to now. I didn't, wow, I didn't realize that many countries. That, that's awesome. And with the Barbell certification, it also has, you, you guys also have, it's a, it's a three-day cert. Um, when I did my certification, it was in Boston. Um, but it's a three-day cert, and there is criteria that you have to be able, you have to be able to deadlift your body weight. And I think it's, and what is it for that? And, and then I think it was three-fourths your body weight for the, the bench press. So this is, yeah, those, those are the ladies' centers. Of course, you have ladies and, and, uh, and gentlemen centers. Uh, the idea is we have tests in all of our certs. This is the barbell, the kettlebell, and the body weight, and there is one reason for that. Prevent people we don't want from showing up, which means that we try to give high-level instruction, instruction. We don't expect people to show up at the cert to approach barbell or kettlebell or body weight for the first time. We want people to already train and come to learn, improve those skills, but especially it's about learning how to teach, teach how to teach. We're teaching how to teach. So we expect, this is why we got those standards. We want people to show up prepared so we can really focus on high level instruction. So for the, for the barbell, uh, for a gentleman, we have a strength, two strength tests, which is deadlift, two times body weight, and um, uh, bench press. Uh, it's a 1.1 uh, 1 and a quarter body weight. And then we have the technique test, which is deadlift again, 1.5 body weight. And then we have the military press, two thirds body weight. And then we have the squat with body weight. Now, those are not, actually we joke, we don't call them strength tests. We call them not so weak tests. But you know, to be able to deadlift two, two per body weight and bench press, we perfect form. We don't say only proper form from white lights, we say perfect form. And to be able to bench press 1.25 1, uh, your body weight, you need to have been in touch with the barbers for some time. Yeah. So we don't expect you to be super strong, but and strong enough to demonstrate that you did spend some time with the barber. 
for ladies, I think it's 1.5 body weight strength test in the in um, the deadlift. I think it's 0 0.75 for the bench press, yeah. and then for the military press, it's 50% body weight, and for the squat, I think it's 75% body weight, and then it it is probably body weight for the deadlift for the for the for the technique test, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that 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 sounds right. Well, I like that because um, th there's also living it, you know, living yes. it. You know, you see, we do expect now. Seriously, we don't want people to take our cert just to have one other piece of paper on their wall. Even if I'm sure we've got a few there. Right. The idea is, first of all, we want people to learn. We want people to be involved. We want people to be interested. So we want passionate people. Now, if you want, want to learn the basic of cannabis or barbells, just to have this piece of paper on your wall and just to be able to train people and say, I'm certified in this, you can take any cert. But what we really want, we want people who care. In fact, we don't, for the uh, strong for the uh, SFG, and this is changing for the SFL, this is news for you. For the SFG, when we do the testing, there is you know, the technique test, there is the snatch test, there is the final training practice, but also there is the teaching test. You need to show that, and that starts from day one. Your assistants will be assessing the way you take care of your partners and you interact and you teach because you, know, you can be very proficient in doing your skills, but you need to be able to teach them. It's not only about being able to perform, you need to be able to teach. And so for the SFL, something that is new, we added uh, some chapters, one, one dedic dedicated chapter to the manual, you will see it in July, which is about uh, teaching points, coaching points. It's all about observing, you know, the way we structure it now, we have five people per bar. One is performing and we have two on the sides, one in the front, one in the back. With this new chapter, what we do, we teach people to watch every single lift from the back, from the sides, and teach them what they need to look at, what they need to assess, and then according to what the problem is, possible solutions as far as corrective drills. So the idea is, if you show up the cert, we take for granted that you know how to do it. We want to teach you how to assess it assess the lift, make it better. So the idea is not only, you know, learning how to use the barbell or the kettlebell or the body weight is being able to teach people to become stronger, but stay in, in, in uh, always taking care of being safe all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and spot the little details. So that kind of goes into what, what do you think, if you were to summarize what Strong First beliefs and practices are, do you, would that be, well, there is the phrase that you all use, being a student of strength, with that, which I absolutely love that, because we're never going to get old enough to, to grow out of that, you know. Um, but how would, you, how would you summarize beliefs and principles? Well, we have a few, you know, a few mottos that are part of us. The first one is, strength is a greater purpose. This is first idea. And our mission, which is our, it's stated in our SOP guys, is making the world a stronger place. Because we think that any other quality you want to develop, you need to be strong first. This is the reason about the name, by the way. And so our mission is, you know, to promote practice and personal strength and help people become stronger because Strength will help you in any other aspect of your life. And we're not talking only about physical strength. We talk about strength in general. And by the way, at this times is where you really learn and need to start to understanding how being strong is important. That's right. And so, so this is pretty much our mission. And those are our core values. But also, you know, strength is, is, is community. It's being together. In fact, uh, our director of education, one of his, uh, of the uh, mottos he introduced is, I am because we are, which is, you know, we are, one thing we always say is that I am a teacher of strength, but I am a student of strength. It means that your journey never ends. Mm -hmm. it, it is not, 
it's not a destination it's a journey you can it's something that you get closer and closer and closer you can never get there you can always become stronger you can always improve your skills all the time i like one sentence by brett joser director of education that often says you know what are you doing what have you been doing lately uh working on my swings and he's been swinging for 20 years but it, you can still make it better one of the things i like to say is that uh looking at the lift i during certs i always say i will often have two questions for you the first and the answer will always be yes question number one will be does it look good yes question number two is can we make it better yes we can always make it better so we can always improve this is why we're teachers we teach but we're students all the time which applies to the fact that we want to always keep sharpening our blade but at the same time it applies to the fact that for us the code of conduct and the way we uh, present ourselves mm -hmm. and we behave is very important it means that the way we carry our strength matters mm -hmm. you need to keep the mindset of being always a student which means that you can learn from everyone all the time you need to keep yourself humble and you need to be ready to listen ready to improve and ready to say i don't know or i don't know yet is very important so there is a little bit more than you know our testing and our standards it's a whole lot of stuff and you've been in touch with us for one certain but you will see that if you you know if you work with us in the future again which i hope so there's a lot more to that well, I, I do. I did see that code of conduct article as well, which I thought that was really good because it, it really it, it puts it, it puts some integrity into what we're doing with our strength and um, in, in leading. I mean, um, when you're uh, you know, I I look at this building strength culture that we're we are fortunate to all be a part of is that it's a stewardship. You know we get we've got this strength and we're helping other people you know come along and um i i really like that code of conduct article i thought that was I, no. I had some depth we have a huge responsibility i mean we coach people we help them to make we help making them stronger but also we're responsible for their safety and their health mm -hmm. and it's not something that you know can be taken it's something that needs to be taken seriously so, you know, uh, it's very important for us to have this code of conduct because here's the point. Uh, my students, your students, our students will not do what we tell them to, will do what they see us doing. So it doesn't matter what we say. We need to lead by example. So the reason also, one of the reasons by the code of conduct, which by the way, I decided to join the system at the time was still RKC because of the code of conduct. You know, working for the Italian Federation of Fitness for 20 years, which I'm so grateful, I have a great relationship with them, and they are awesome, and they have my career so much. But I did realize that business was the main focus. Mm. And uh, for me, in my opinion, business is the side effect of doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when I saw this code of conduct, I mean, you are certified, it's not only about your skills, is about the way you behave. It's about the way you conduct yourself. It's, by, it's about leading by example. Because here's the point. When, now you have your US power, USA powerlifting logo behind you. It means you're representing them, right? So the way you behave in your personal life, at the gym, on social media, it, you are representing the logo you have behind you. If you misrepresent, you misrepresent, you're responsible for all the people that believe in that logo and believe in that. So same for me, if I represent Strongfirst, whether I'm the CEO, master instructor, or a very new instructor, I have the, the logo stamped here in my forehead and my back. Mm -hmm. So whatever I do, I have to be concerned that I'm not representing only myself. I'm representing a whole lot of instructors, people, leadership, my colleagues, and people who believe in the system. So the way I conduct myself in public, on social media, everywhere is very important. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I cannot afford 
to do something wrong because I am giving a bad example. So this applies to the way I train, the way I train myself, the way I train others, the way I deal with my you know, students, the way I deal with my colleagues, the way I deal, deal with my superiors, whoever. So it's very important for me. Yes. I really well, well, and you can see that in the training and, and, and the way Pavel speaks as well. The way you, you're speaking and the way Pavel speaks, and there's, there, there's, a, there's, there, there's, a higher, there's a higher thought to this. It's not just, you know, I'm, I'm stronger than everybody else and, you know, the ego that can go along with that, you know, so, but, it, but, it, but there's, there's more to it. So, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, totally, I totally agree. Let me ask you this, so, so, we, so we don't get, get cut off here because I think the Zoom will, will, will cut us off. But um, for the SFL certification, because sometimes that's hard to get in the USA. And, and so the Chicago, I was excited to see the Chicago one. And if people are interested in being a part of the Chicago, I know everything's changed, um, and the July 31st date, would people still be able to join in on that? Could they join yeah. in on that? The, uh, that especially that event happens at the, at the dome uh, in uh, Fairmont in Chicago. It's a huge facility. Okay. I think there's you know, there's a bas the basketball fields on the dome, okay. and to the point that we run four events at the same time there. So the space is huge, and I know that you know due to this situation here, not many people have been too confident in registering to live for live events right now. Right. For two reasons. One, because they want to make sure that you know they can go there and it will happen. Just to make if we have to reschedule it, people will get the refund or will get on the new event. You know that how it works. But also, some instructors, you know, are not you're not working, you're not you know earning, and so so the numbers are. I don't know the numbers. I don't look at that. Uh, but I'm sure they are not as high as they are every year. So I'm pretty sure there is still space. Uh, the facility is huge. The uh, a licensee yeah. would uh, buy more power racks if there's more people. So, so, so the event. So this is the Okay. So, so there's four certifications happening at the same time. It's yes. the barbell, the two kettlebells, the body weight, and John Ingram's got um, right. steel. So I guess five. Five. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Well, flexible steel is happening on, on the Friday while the SMG level two is two days. So actually there's always four happening at the same time, but yes, there's five, Okay. but one happens only on Friday and then it Saturday and Sunday is another one. But yes, those are the five events that are happening in during that weekend and there's plenty of space. And for the second half of the year, so starting July, it, and, and for the second, well, I guess we're all, we're all kind of in the same boat on this, really, when it comes to events, because, you know, um, I mean, we all have to see what's going to happen in our world. I mean, hopefully, um, you know, we're hoping in South Carolina, it hasn't, um, it, it hasn't been as bad as, you know, uh, throughout the world. So, I mean, we're still doing everything we need to do here, but I'm you know, I'm hopeful that um, May 1st that the gyms can start opening up again. I mean, but who knows, you know, my husband works at the local hospital. And so it seems positive, the, the news that we hear, you know, but so, um, so I guess to say, I, I guess we can just look at the Strong First website and just see what's available. And yes, especially because you see at this times, so I'm realizing, I've been realizing this in the past weeks, very hard to make forecasts. We all, Italy is getting out of the situation now, the infection is going down, we're starting to open the countries, also others in Europe. Uh, US is started flattening some regions, you know, New York is having a hard time, but others are getting better. So I am very confident and optimistic. However, we don't know. Yeah. And uh, what I can say on Strawford's side is that we're doing everything we can to support the students and the event organizers in case they need to reschedule, you know, or whatever they need to do. But if we're confident, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be able to carry on the event again very soon. And my, our, my personal, but our concern is, you know, our instructors, our students trying to, thinking that they need to reopen the gym and get to work again. And uh, it's a hard time, especially because it's not necessary type of business. 
And so probably we'll be among the last ones who will reopen. And so thoughts and prayers. And, uh, you know, this is the time when we need to be strong. Seriously. I, no, really. Absolutely. Mental strength is just as important as physical strength. And we, we got to do what we can do and encourage and, and really be community to others, you know, and, and supportive. So because people, a lot of people are going to make a lot of very, very difficult decisions. Um, yeah. Okay. So, well, I think that, I think that covers, I think that covers the majority. I, I'm sure, I, I'm sure I forgot something, but I really appreciate your time and uh and chatting and um i hope uh, i hope you and your family stay very safe and um i'll look, I'll look forward to seeing you in july <laughs> me too I'm I'm chilling. Because I, that one, I was afraid she was gonna enter the room while we were speaking but she behaved well so how old so, your daughter she's, she's seven she's seven years oh, old okay. you know forced home for five weeks it's hard to keep her, you know. Oh it's, yeah. Well, I've got two teenagers, and you know, we're—I mean, of course, they're—they're they're using their technology to connect to friends and that sort of thing, which is, which is good. But you know, hey, it's—it's it's a unique time. I—I I, I would, you know, in my lifetime, I think in most people's lifetime, this is the first. So hopefully, laugh, you know, but. When I talked with my father, he said, oh, it's a joke now. I've been through World War II, he says, you know. And so he says, actually, for them, it's a joke. And we're lucky we do have technology we can speak. Imagine when we have the pestilences, you know, 100 years ago, and people, there was no phones, no cell phones, no technology. People were really locked home. So, you know, in all this situation, we complain. We're lucky. And we have to... And, you know, this will teach us some lessons. We start enjoying small things in life that we, you know, took for granted and that we didn't think they were important. We realize now how important they are. And so I think that this is, you know, out of the all situations, so sorry for the death and, you know, for all the uh, time, uh, economical, you know, consequences. But let's think about this. Let's think that we will learn some good lessons for the future. and. We gotta take it as it is. We just gotta be strong, patient, committed, keep going. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Karen.